Well, by the little clock on the wall, it's time to go inside EMS. I'm your host, Chris Sabalero, and I want to thank you once again for joining us. Pulsera is the proud sponsor of this episode of the Inside EMS podcast. Learn how you can leverage the power of network communication at www.pulsera.com slash EMS. And in the chair to my right, once again, joining me is our international correspondent and EMS One Stop columnist, Rob Lawrence. And the reason I, just before I introduce Rob, he took me to task because I kept saying EMS One Spot, not EMS One Stop. But Rob, thanks for joining us once again on the show. I'm delighted to be back. Yes, I was far too polite for weeks to contradict your one spot, but uh, we are one stopping. Uh, as you can all tell out there, I'm in again for Kelly. Uh, Kelly is not only dealing with the last hurricane, but probably dealing with the next hurricane. And so our thoughts to him and Nancy McGee, who are down there coping well, I think. And uh, again, if you Kelly did a superb article on his diary of uh, dealing with that particular event. And I, I suggest you read it. It's really, really compelling. It really is. I heard from Kelly the other day. He said he's got internet back, but he doesn't have the uh, power. He's still running off his generator, and uh, it's still a few before they get back to him when it comes to electric. So our thoughts with him. But Rob, we're going to call this the show about breaking news. Because we are. There's a lot of breaking news that's happened since our last show. And uh, I'm going to kick it to you for the first start. What are we going to talk about first? Well, there is a lot of breaking news this week uh, because we've just seen two announcements uh, in the in the news that's, uh, that is of importance to us all in the EMS industry. And let's start off by saying that ET3 is back on the go. We've had an announcement that uh, starting in the turn of the year, the ET3 program is going to be back up and running again. So there's going to have to be, as always, a little bit of a regain. Folk that were selected and only 200 and odd, and I can't remember what the odd was but 200 and something organizations are going to have to do their regain again they're going to have to dust off their plans they're going to have to make sure that the officials they were dealing with actually are still the officials they need to deal with um, lots to do in that respect but it's up and running for the 200 and odd as i keep saying uh, but i was chatting to our good friend matt Savadsky this morning and i put the same question to him that's 200 and odd what about the other fourteen thousand organizations out there chris so et3 up but I know you're going to have a comeback on this one. Yeah, I got to tell you, Rob, I, I'm not happy about this one bit. I mean, when ET3 first popped into the scene, I think it gave us a little bit of hope that we were going to be able to get a little something new out of CMS and that we were now going to start moving towards the community paramedicine model eventually, even though a lot of people are confusing ET3 with community paramedicine. I think there are some agencies that may try a component of community paramedicine with ET3, but it's not a community paramedicine benefit. But COVID decided to come in and join us in this year of 2020 and may be around with us for more than 2020, maybe into 2021 and so, and so on. But then CMS started to say, wait a minute, alternative destinations for pandemic, uh, you know, treat them at home if we need to treat them at home, uh, take them to the hospital if they need, kind of the ET3 component, Rob. And what I was hoping that would come out of this, and I think you and I have talked about it on, the sh on shows that you've been guests, shows that you've been host, is that CMS should have said, wait a minute, these EMS people, not 200 and some odd, 
but 14,000 EMS agencies are now doing different work. They're taking people to alternative destination. They're treating them at home. Let's, let's pull this data now and let's continue this. And instead of doing you know, 280 some odd, I think it's 286, Rob, if my memory serves me right. Now we've got 14,000 people. I got to think that this is a step backwards instead of forwards. I couldn't agree more, and uh, you ranted elegantly there, so, so kudos for that. But let me, uh, let me give you the, the English reserve version of that. Yeah, because we have been bailing the nation out of the carp, that's an anagram, uh, for the last six months and doing all of this stuff, mostly uh, without refund, mostly because we are doing the right thing, mostly because we're the good guys. But actually, all the concepts they set out to prove, I firmly believe, We've proven them, and we have, with my AAA hat on, and of course I was talking to Matt with the NAMT hat on, etc. Then you know we we are saying, well, why don't you just start refunding us? And the answer is, uh, it's a different agency, it's a different pot of cash, one and one or the other. One, you know, so that became a bit of a barrier, and so now ET3 is back on the two hundred and something organisations are going to test it and try it. But to your point. We've proven the concept. Not only have we proven the concept of we've, you know, we've devoured it and we've shown that we can stand up and do all these great things in this pandemic, in this public health emergency. And COVID has been the disruptor for the potential good because it's forced our hand to do this stuff. We've done it. So to your point, why are we backtracking? And I think that that's a really great question. And, you know, one of the things that I was hoping is that the, the folks at the leadership level, of certainly from the AAA, certainly from NAMT, certainly from uh, National EMS uh, Managers Association, you know, the people that are in charge of, uh, you know, the state EMS folks. I mean, how come this is, we're going to allow this to happen? I mean, isn't there something that we can do now in this process of all the EMS leaders, uh, even the fire chiefs, to get together and talk to CMS to say, let's just, let's just run this pandemic out. Put this thing on hold until this pandemic is over. Let's not, let's not go into this. What is this? What was it? A three-year thing, Rob, with two extra years possibly of adding more people? I mean, are we really going to go now five more years into this process of ET3 to make the determination that it works? Short answer, What's no. We're not. So, uh, let me, I'll, no is the answer. Because when you think about the construct of this particular program and this particular pilot, it's all about federal dollars. It's all about Medicare. It's all about how they can disperse their funds appropriately for doing the right thing for the patient. Well, a majority of our patients are actually under insurers. And so there's nothing stopping anybody, anytime, anywhere from going to that insurer to present the business case, uh, as Matt would say if he was here, to present the value proposition that if we do this for you, if we divert this patient away from an emergency department to an appropriate node of care, that becomes cheaper for you, the insurer, and therefore becomes better all round. So there's nothing to stop you from going to your, your, uh, your payers and saying that, and of course, part of the ET3 program was to actually get your, get your payers in cahoots with you in the first place. Well, why not work out what the value proposition is and start your own program anyway? There's nothing to stop you from doing that. 
It's just obviously having a good business case to, to the, the, from which everybody, and including the patient, because we spend many hours talking about EMS stuff and sometimes forget the, forget the patient in the middle, but including to be the benefit to the patient, nothing to stop you from going and knocking on the door and saying, hey, I've got this great idea. It's going to stop 30-day readmission. It's going to stop you know, the, the fees downstream that you are going to pay for. So there's some real business case advantages to doing this. Just because you haven't got the government sanction to go ahead, it doesn't stop you from changing the world in your locality. Here's the big problem with that, though. So for the past almost two years now, I've been working with Anthem on uh, a community paramedicine home visit pilot, and we've done incredible work here in the state of Missouri. We are very, very close to standing up the state of Indiana, and we are hopefully in this rest of this year bringing the state of Kentucky on where a commercial payer is paying for community paramedicine home visits. Now, when we start to deal with, with um, all these states, one of the biggest challenges that I've had in managing this pilot is to ensure that our career field is making the money that it needs to make if they decide to roll this out to all 14 states. Anthem Blue Cross Blue Shield is only in 14 states. When we think about the other blues, they're in all the other states, but this insurance business, that they, they kind of run a little convoluted. They're not all, they're not all simpatico, right? So now what's going to happen based on your scenario is, um, you know, EMS system in, you know, this state is going to go and talk to Cigna, is going to go and talk to Aetna, is going to go and talk to United and say, I'm going to take people to an alternative destination and they're going to say, all right, we'll give you $100. Well, go ahead and take them, we'll give you $100. Now, when I go and make this same connection, they're going to say, oh, we'll give you $40. I'll give you $150 for that transport. We're now, as a career field, going to be piecemealing and developing our own, our own deals with insurance companies, and we're kind of screwing the next guy because somebody's going to hear about this in another state and say, wait a minute, you're asking me for $180, and they're paying them $40 in Mississippi. And I think that this is where the challenge is. When we talked about this ET3 thing, to have somebody at the CMS model, and, and by all means, Rob, I'm going to tell you that I think we have to end our dependency on CMS. CMS has not been our friend when it comes to EMS. There is billions and billions of dollars out there that we need to put our hands on to fund our EMS system. So I don't know that we need to wait for them for community paramedicine money. I don't know that we need to wait for them for alternative destination money. But what we won't have is consistency across the career field when it comes to reimbursement. It's uh, going to be, from listening to your description, it's Darwinism, isn't it? It's going to be the survival of those that are willing to adapt. Uh, we know that because of the COVID-imposed uh, fiscal state of the nation, fiscal state of everything, belts are going to have to be tightened. We are going to have to become better 
business managers. How many years have I said that? But all of a sudden, it's coming home to roost. Uh, and you have to be able to work out what the value proposition is and come up with a deal, if you can, that's going to help you and help the patient. Now, of course, there are different models. And, and I certainly was in back in my, my Virginia days, we, we had a very good uh, community paramedicine program where we were doing this, this financial notion that people may not understand, which is PMPM, right? So per member per month. So if you have a population at risk or an insured population of 5,000 people, I will charge you X dollars per member of that program per month. And then I will deal with whatever comes along. And so that's one way of doing it versus the flat fee for response. Uh, and sometimes you have to, you know, it has to be actuarially sound or round. In other words, it's got to be able to sustain and support the people that are doing it. But I've got a funny feeling we had one of the very few community paramedic programs in the country that was actually making money. Um, and so you have to be a, a little bit savvy. Um, but that perhaps means we also need to do some wider education on how to talk to these, uh, you know, people we traditionally don't talk to. I mean, uh, our, our billing our billing staff, who sometimes are felt as being in the back office, but actually they're the engine room that drive the income that drives the service. So let's not, you know, exclude them. But they're used to dealing with these people on a daily basis. But we have to be ready to get out there to talk business in order to get the best deal, uh, in order to make sure that we can be or we can sustain ourselves because we're in that we're at that point where we have to be able to do that um and that's uh you know et3 may just spawn us all to go nah screw that we're going to go our own way now um and of course if we can do that on a grand scale people may well see the benefit of of us doing what we're doing um and in covid covidia covid whatever whatever the, whatever this is going to be remembered as uh, in years to come uh you know, it, it could be the point at which we change the way we do business um, by becoming, dare I say, more business-like. Well, I think that that's the missing component, right? When we think about this from a standpoint of, you know, setting setting our community paramedicine program up like a new service model when a hospital would, the way that a hospital would do it, you know, we don't have that business acumen. You know, we, we know how to deal with CMS. We know how to deal with compliance of our charts. We know how to deal with uh, the occasional meeting with the insurance company to get a contractual rate for our EMS agency. But now this, this missing component is, as you mentioned, we have to be able to develop the business acumen that we need to move ourselves into a position. But the challenge again, Rob, is that if I don't have that acumen and you do, you're going to get a better deal for your agency than I am. And my lack of skills, my lack of education and knowledge in this topic I'm gonna, I'm gonna not get as good of a deal. And I think that that's what the biggest problem is. One of the things that I try to do with the Anthem program is as we get these rates that are moving forward is to make sure that everybody is getting the fair share of what they need to do. And Anthem needs to understand that as I'm giving this person this amount of money for a home visit, that when I go to California, they need to be able to get that money as well but in proportion to what it costs to, to run a system in California. And I think that that's what's missing here. And at least ET3 was going to give us the opportunity that everybody was going to be treated the same. But, uh, oh, my oh, goodness. But I, you, you know what? Well, with, with all the virtual conferences coming and going and on the round now, perhaps this is going to be a whole new stream of classes, the how to do this like the business people that are also out there in healthcare land. It's your show, mate, but I'm going to hijack us now for the mid-show read, if I may. 
So Please do. Uh, I will do. Okay. Pulsara is the only first net listed mobile telehealth and communication network that connects teams across organizations. Free to EMS and the receiving ED, Pulsara One unites teams seamlessly on a single patient channel, replacing the radio report with features like live video calls, ECG, and image uploads, audio, data, and key benchmarks. Pulsara United includes enhanced features built to help your EMS agency provide an expanded scope of practice, such as mobile integrated health and community paramedicine. Regardless of the package that is right for you, Pulsara makes communicating with healthcare facilities in your region easy. Simply create a dedicated patient channel, build your team and communicate. For more information, visit pulsara.com forward slash EMS. And you can do the spelling if you want to this time, Chris. That's P-U-L-S-A-R-A dot com slash E-M-F. So very good. I enjoy the read. It's like I should be paying you three ninety nine a minute every time I hear you talk. But um, we have something else to talk about, Rob. There's other news yeah. that came out. And uh, again, I'm going to give it to you to set it up for the listeners. This is breaking news. And uh, HHS.gov, I think we may have just been uh, – putting them down a little bit perhaps in the last segment but let's bring them back up again because they've just done a new for immediate release dated september the 16th news release trump administration releases covid19 vaccine distribution strategy well we've already worked out that we're probably going to be involved in this because how else uh, you know with me and you chris have to only distribute 320 million doses but yeah. actually one of the things is this could be a two-part dose so me and you have to deliver 640 million doses, uh, and that's yeah. going to take some organization. Um, we are, of course, referring to Operation Warp Speed. Uh, beam me up later, Mr. Scott. Uh, but, uh, you know, this is something that uh, there is a lot of PDFs. I haven't had a chance to get into the news yet, but clearly there, there, is, there are some downloadables, uh, including the strategy, um, the program interim playbook. So we're going to have a playbook. Uh, so we'll work out uh, whether we're on offense or defense here, to, as you'd say, on this side of the pond. Um, so there's a lot of things to catch up on. But before we get into the detail of that, and uh, we're going to have to work out how we are going to contribute, how we are going to play our part, because I would imagine that uh, EMS uh, agencies, fire departments are probably going to be nodes of delivery. Your local fire station is going to have a line around the block to get it, perhaps. Uh, and, of course, then there's the challenges of administration, recording. Um, if you're getting a dose of one batch, do you have to get the same dose of the same batch when you come back in 30 days? I mean, all these things have to be worked out. I have heard that it's going to require some degree of refrigeration perhaps even to the minus temperatures. So this ain't going in the cooler on the back of the ambulance where you keep your water. Uh, so there's a lot to think about. But, you know, for homework, everybody, go to, uh, go to the website, which, of course, is uh, hhs.gov. Uh, and I'm sure our local trade magazines will be putting this one out. It's bound to be a top player in the next few days in the headlines. But uh, the, the, the plan or a plan has been revealed. And... Hopefully, we're going to be a part of this. Well, not hopefully. I would imagine we are because there's going to be have to be a major plan, maybe even involving the military, to distribute this stuff. Because 300 million, uh, what is it? 320 million doses divided. You know, if we did that over a year, Chris, get your calculator right. What's 320 million divided by 365? Yeah, a lot more than I want to count, I'll tell you I, that. I, but I can't even do the math in my head on this one. But, you know, this is going to be a long-term uh, 
proposition here. Then, of course, there's going to be the I want to be on day one. Remember, the refer the only reference manual we've had on this so far was when Matt Damon had to wait three months for his uh, his injection in the in the movie, and and we all saw that and thought, oh my goodness, well, you know, Mr. Damon. What a, what a fantastic prediction, because somebody's going to be at the end of the line. Now, of course, we've all had the commentary period two weeks ago where we placed our views on who should be first, and I'm delighted to say we're up somewhere at the top of the list, and that, that's good for our providers. But, you know, it's going to be a long-term exercise operation to deliver 320 million doses across the country times two and while you respond to that i'm breaking out the calculator to work out what the daily administration rate would be if we did it over a year over to you yeah and i think that that's one of the things that people need to remember is when we talk about this from the standpoint of delivering these vaccines by the time we get everybody a vaccine that wants it you know we are talking about months and months we're talking about a year we're talking about 18 months and then some and as you mentioned there have been rumors that they may need uh multiple doses right so there may be an initial and then there may need to be a booster and when we look at these strategies that we're getting this COVID, i just opened it this COVID 19 vaccination program interim playbook for jurisdictional operations just going through the table of contents we have 56 pages. When we think about the strategy, it's another 11 pages. And, uh, you know, being able now to think about what this is going to look like for our agencies, for our communities, is this really going to be the best way to make these things, uh, you know, to make this happen? But from an EMS side, I do agree with you. EMS does have to be in the corner of delivering these vaccines and delivering for reimbursement as well. So when we think about this from the standpoint of community paramedicine, what better way to keep our community paramedics busy is then to have them uh, deliver these vaccines. And while they're at it, just ha how are you with other vaccines? You can bring the pneumonia vaccine. People are still going to need flu shots this year we haven't even talked about. You know, uh, doing a little, uh, you know, checkup on your blood sugar, doing a little check on. So it gives us a great opportunity to, mm -hmm. again, be in the forefront of the skills of the community paramedic or any EMS agency, for that matter, Rob, to do the best job that we can for those citizens that need us. I've just done the math. Are you sitting comfortably? You better sit down for this one because if we just give everybody in the country one dose, okay, and it takes, and we've got a year to do it, that's nearly 87,000 a day across the country. You think about our testing capacity now, that's a challenge. And I'm sure, are we doing 87,000 a day? Possibly. Uh, then we have to track people. We have to make sure they get back for the right batch of dose potentially. So this is a huge logistic operation that I suspect is going to now start to consume us as we get ready to deliver this. Um, well, so I could take care. I could take care of fourteen of them. So just let me know if you need any more okay. help than that. Well, we quipped last week about belt-fed syringes. Um, That's right. Or or going back to our military days of that day that on the inoculation parade when you literally go through and someone's got you know a uh, a repeating Gatling syringe that's uh, that's uh, giving you all the jabs. Uh, we may have to go down to that road, but. So there's a lot of homework to do on this one. This is breaking news. I'm sure we can probably come back and get into the meat of this, uh, maybe in a, in a future show or you and Kelly can, because there's a lot to take in. Um, as with everything at the moment, I'm sure it's going to turn into a political uh, debate at some point as well, because people are bound not to, no matter which color your cloth is, I'm sure there's going to be disagreements that, to go with this. And hopefully our friend, Dr. Fauci will, uh, will come through and, and talk common sense. But uh, 
it's out there. It's breaking news. Uh, HHS.gov. I'm sure that uh, our websites will be having all of the links. Uh, but for homework, people spend the weekend going away um, and uh, reading up. Whether, unless of course you are in the smoke, the the fire, or the hurricanes, then we'll let you off. So one of the things I would like to suggest, Rob, because you know me, I have that I have that creative mind, I have that leadership mind, um, and uh, you know I try to almost for that of service, being a servant leader. Um, since you do such a great job with the EMS One Stop, maybe you can read this. Uh, oh, do you mean you want me to narrate the seventeen editions of the uh, the playbook? Yeah, that's what I meant. Oh, yeah. Oh, right. You oh, I see. Read, yes. read the covered playbook. Yeah, absolutely. Yeah, it's, it's, we can have the abridged version. I'll, and uh, yeah, why not? Indeed. I guess they're not funny when you got to explain them. So. Well, no, there, there are no, well, there are no apps out there with, with all these big Hollywood stars. Obviously, they had to pivot into something else, and you can download an app to listen to Benic Benedict Cumberbatch sending you to sleep. So uh, you know, <laughs> and of course, they're talking really slowly and really lowly and saying things that are going to make you nod off. I suspect if I read that article to you, it would have some slumbery effects on people. I would think so, but but it's important. We though. Let's, let's uh, we're being flippant, but actually, yes, this right. I suspect is the next phase of our evolution over the next couple of years is to be a part of. As I said uh, this morning to other folk, that you know we are, of course, the Marine Corps of the Public Health Navy, and we're about to hit this beach. We are, and uh, you know the thing is, is that EMS has done a great job in this time of pandemic. I'm very proud to be an EMS provider. Yes, uh, I haven't I haven't provided any care in a lot of years, but uh, it, it makes me feel good. And uh, like you said, this is the next stop. But one more story, Rob. Let's go ahead and hit it. Uh, let, let me get you ranting, Chris. Let's finish on a rant. We we spent a lot of time last week uh, talking about ketamine. Uh, we had some great comments actually. Uh, if you, if you were looking at the uh, the various um, ways that folk could comment on the show, uh, the way that they could comment on the stuff that we were talking about. Of course, people are generally kind of incensed about the fact that, you know, this we're using ketamine for the good. But of course, breaking news this week, once again, the, the Aurora City Council have uh, opted to ban the use of ketamine for excited delirium until uh, certainly after the inquest of the gentleman that, uh, that died. But it's all come to a stop and potentially, and again, commentators out there immediately, one of the things we feared was this would become a political agenda, not a clinical agenda. And so commentators out there are already pointing the finger of this is a political issue. Uh, but if you're in Aurora, unfortunately, the ketamine is off the truck. Which is uh, truly a um, horrible decision based on, as you mentioned, politics. You know, but we still have to recognize that in this case, um, you know, there were some challenges that happened on this specific call. We don't really know the specifics, and we can't uh, armchair quarterback this to say people administered it wrong or gave the wrong dose. Hopefully they followed their protocol. But we have lost a great tool in our toolbox when it comes to airway management. And, you know, in the days of, you know, paralyzing people – and one of the things that I thought was really incredible is when we brought Atomidate into the field. I know Atomidate is one of those drugs that is great when it comes to, you know, helping people to knock them down 
for, um, you know, intubation if we needed to. And then, you know, ketamine was out there, which is really a, a drug that's used in, for equine, you know, used for horses. And when we started now to get it into EMS, it was the next level. It was the next step in our EMS toolbox for airway management. And now, you know, the people in Colorado and Aurora, they don't even have the opportunity to use it in those things and we've in, in that particular area. And we've got to now start to think about that when we allow politicians to make decisions about medicine, it really pushes us back in our career field. And I'm really disappointed about that. And, uh, you know, I just wish there was more we could have done to make sure that it didn't happen. But this is right. why it's important that when we are um, doing our job, that we have to do it better and cleaner than the next guy. So these types of things don't happen. No, indeed. And, uh, you know, as, as I say once in a while, we are where we are now, Chris. We're going to have to let this play out. It's been taken off the street there. There's clearly going to be an investigation. Um, the results of that will indicate whether it is a clinical outcome or a political outcome. Uh, so we will see going forward. And so we're just going to have to watch that space, I'm afraid. Oh, the days of the news, the days of the news. I got to tell you, Rob, this is a really great little show. And we've talked about a lot of things, man, you know, and, and, uh, but if you're going to give us a closing thought on all the things that we're talking about, or if you're going to give your best leadership advice to the people who are listening, what do you leave them with? Well, I think what I'm leaving you with today is that uh, two things have happened in the news this week that require a, some thought on our part and most probably some action on our part. So have a think and act because you know as you in your words chris the career field depends on it so there's some stuff here that's going to i suspect roll on now and we're going to be talking about it for a, a few weeks to come so have a read do your homework uh, understand what's what's being asked of us and what's potentially being asked of us um and uh let's do what we do well and uh you know tcb take care of the business Taking care of business. All right, ladies and gentlemen out there, I want to thank you for joining us on Inside EMS. Once again, if you have any questions, comments, or concerns, go ahead and email us at the show at ems1.com. Go ahead and go to iTunes and rate us on iTunes. I mean, we've got a lot of great listens. we got a lot of great plays. we got awesome fans out there. So go to iTunes and go ahead and like us on iTunes. I want to thank our international correspondent, Rob Lawrence, for joining us once again. I'm Chris Subalero for Kelly Grayson. We look forward to chatting with everyone again real soon. Don't go yet. One more thing before you go, and that's hold on to this channel on SoundCloud, because coming up next is me with my EMS One Stop. Bye.